Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is June 2nd, 2016. We predicted that this would be a very active week, and boy, was it. The Prime Minister went on television last night to announce his withholding of the consumption tax implementation this time next year. There's a lot of brouhaha going on about that. Michael, this is pretty exciting times. It's been an amazing week since the last time we met, and we have so much to go over, but let's go first over the, the tax highest decision that Mr. Abe made.、Mm -hmm. I mean, I was taken aback at the absolute scale of the pushback that he's made. We thought, you know, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. No, two and a half years down the line, and he's just going to do it and got the. Okay, of some parts of the LDP, but there were lots of parts that pushed back and, and, and fought back, and he had to use his own authority within the party to simply impose his will. The exciting thing that I thought about、uh, how this thing rolled out was he came back from Hiroshima and immediately had private meetings in the Kante, outside the Kante, in a, the a hotel very close by, and this was just back to back meetings, and he had a real struggle. and It's not just the timing. The timing almost pushes it far out so that he doesn't even have to think about it. But the fight that he had within his cabinet and within the, the minister, for example, the minister of finance, Mr. Asso, I mean, that was a three hour meeting. It must have been a knockdown, drag out fight. Well, they were talking for a very long time. And it was not just Asso, it was even Inada, the head of the Policy Research Council,、mm -hmm. who is ostensibly just basically an acolyte. Of the Prime Minister. She, in her position, said, We really need to, if we're going to make this decision, we have to go to a House of Representatives election, like we did、mm -hmm. in 2014. But that's not the way it came out. In yesterday's press conference, he not only announced the tax hike delay, he then announced that there would not be. A House of Reps election. And boy, did he have to find some way to make that fly, especially since he made such a strong connection in 2014 between, you know, I'm going to delay the tax rise, and in order to have some kind of referendum, I'm going to dissolve the diet.、Mm -hmm. Here, he said,、uh, not going to happen. Well, the fat lady hasn't quite sung yet, but I've always been promoting the fact that if he does not implement the tax, Therefore, he will also call an election for the lower house, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like it's not, I, I, I would say that it is impossible for it to happen right now.、Mm -hmm. Now, he also had a, a bit of a, a, a struggle with the coalition partner, the Cometo, because it had fought so hard in order to get the carve out、mm -hmm. for food and newspapers and other daily necessities. From the 10% rise that was going to happen, they were going to ask for the tax rate to stay at 8% on those daily necessities. And they fought、so、for that. They fought for that, and that was supposed to be their bridge. That that's their, what we got for you guys. That's what we got for you guys that they were going to go to their local branches and to, of course, their mother organization, the Soka Gakkai, to say, look what we got for. <clears throat> Ourselves for this election. Right, because at that time we weren't sure if it was going to be a double election or a single election, but we knew there was going to be at least a single election, and the tax in increase was on the board. The tax increase was on the board, and the carve out was the, the big prize that the Cometo got. Well, the carve out really doesn't matter、mm -hmm. anymore because it's delayed two and a half years. That's an eternity.、Right. It's well past actually the date that Mr. Abe, if He does not lead a change in the rules of the LDP, must step down as leader of the LDP and therefore step down as prime minister. Unless he gets reelected by general acclaim from the 
you know, the LDP uh, uh, party. Well, that's going to only happen. There are two ways that can happen. One, that he is not the Sosai, is not the leader of the party, and yet is so popular mm-hmm. that he is elected from just out of the, the diet seat that he holds, which has never even close to happen, right. or that he indeed changes the bylaws, and in order to do that, he has to get the agreement of 50% of the party members at the party congress, mm-hmm. which seems to be a much easier thing, but no LDP prime minister has ever done that either. So that you're looking at a delay well past when Abe's in office, it's like he's not just kicking the can down the road, he's kicking it out of the stadium. <laughs> You know, so uh, it's it, for the Cometo, they're, they're, they're just saying, okay, well, well, we'll still get the carve out. And that they did get from mm-hmm. Mr. Abe. Yes, you'll still get the carve out two and a half years from now. Well, that's no good for the House of Council election this year. Right. Well, they still have to revise the law to accommodate the non-implementation of the implementation of the consumption tax. That's going to happen in the fall right. after the election. That has nothing to do with anything, and it'll happen mm-hmm. automatically because they have the votes necessary to do it. Right. And there's no way that in the House of Councils election that they could conceivably lose control of the House of Councilors. And even if it, they did, it wouldn't matter because they have a two-thirds majority in the House of Reps, right. which they're not going to threaten. Yep. That's the issue <clears throat> in that regard. Right. Now, the tax rise not going up, of course, has repercussions in terms of fiscal matters, which is why Asso fought so furiously on behalf of his ministry. His ministry looks at what the Abe administration's ministries, the other ministries are proposing, and tries to find a way to pay for it. And the, it, the revenue that was supposed to come in from this raising of the consumption tax is already spoken for in future budgets. Right, but but I got a fix for that, Michael, because Abenomics is going to generate more revenue coming from the economy. Right, that's going to work just as well as it's worked up until now, which we're nowhere near 2% growth, real 2% growth, we're nowhere near 3% nominal growth, we're nowhere near 2% inflation rate, with none of the things that we were promised Promises matter in politics. None of the things that we were promised are being delivered. Okay, what about the six trillion economy by the year 2020 or the 1.8 uh, replacement rate for uh, live birth or the the ability of uh, children to take care of their parents when they're in retirement? Age? All of that was supposed to be paid for with the revenues that come from the consumption tax rise. That entire program of engaging the 100 million or the dynamic engagement of all citizens. The funding for that was supposedly out of the consumption tax rise. That's not going to happen. Where is that money going to come from now? You know, if if you're going to pretend that you have these new three arrows, you at least have to find a way to pay for them. Right. And they have nothing now. That's why the entire economic revitalization program, as it's called, has been re-delayed along with the consumption tax. They are going to reconsider it in the fall because they don't have any way of paying for it. Right. And, you know, that's just, you would think that in a, an electorate as educated and, and sophisticated as the Japanese electorate would punish somebody for that. In addition, there's the matter of promises. Right. Mr. Abe, in 2014, promised that he would never again delay the consumption tax rise. Promised. He said 
they, they wouldn't. And then in the beginning of the year, caveat, he, 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 he said, I'm walking that back a bit, but the only reason I would do that is if we have a disaster on the scale of the Tohoku Fukushima nuclear and earthquake and tsunami disaster, or we had a worldwide financial crisis on the scale of what we call here the Lehman shock, but is also otherwise called the global financial crisis, which we've had neither of. Can, can, can we back that up just a little bit? Because it's, you know, the G7 uh, was here. I mean, they started with uh, the we finance the ministers. summit over the weekend. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that they tried to tee off up in Sendai was, we are facing a global crisis and Japan is right at the cusp of having a, an economy that's going to tank out. And don't you agree that we should do something about that? And that fell flat on its face. And then, but the thing is, they, after it fell flat on its face with the finance ministers in Sendai, mm -hmm. Abe still brought that brochure or whatever he had with the graph in it and said, look. Oh, he was and, and struggling. He, and he, he went to the, the leaders of the rest of the world of the G7 and said, will you help me domestically by declaring the world is in a global financial crisis just like in 2008? And everybody said, look at the bird. <laughs> Wow, this is a, this place has a very nice view. They were very they, polite. Nobody said no. Nobody said, "Are you crazy?" They just no. They waited for the journalists to say that, and right. boy, did they ever! Not only internationally, but also domestically. Right. Supposedly, the the journalists of Japan are tamed, and they're not afraid to criticize. They saw that absolutely bald political gesture by Abe, trying to get to that point where he can say, aha, I now have a global financial crisis that meets my criteria right. for delaying the consumption tax. And they just ravaged him for it. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. What do you think about Abenomics? Was it a success? Is it going to be a success? Are we, are we gearing up towards a success between now and the July 10th elections? The thing is, is it, it depends on how you define success. If you have nominal growth, and that is generating more tax revenue because you're going to have at least profits, not in, maybe not in real terms, but at right. least in nominal terms, and you're going to have people getting more income, again, in nominal terms, and that'll somehow fill this gap that they've created by the delay. Yeah, economics will be a success, but I, the, the, the jury is still out. Of course there have been headwinds. Of course there's been the slowdown in China. Of mm -hmm. course there's been the collapse of energy prices, which means that the inflation target is hopeless. Right. Nevertheless, it is not, we, you don't feel, a, it, when you walk even around Tokyo, which is an extremely lively place, you don't feel the exuberance the vibrance, of, two, right. of, of two years ago. <clears throat> and certainly in the public opinion polls, still a majority of people say, they have no sense that in their daily lives, abenomics has any positive effect. And that that's, should be, again, something for which the opposition has a means to nail the Abe administration and the LDP in the upcoming election. Mm -hmm. But how did it come out of the summit? When you look at the public opinion polls, cabinet ratings went up 5%. Unbelievable. It's just, he, what, what is, I mean, we had Teflon Ron, what do we call uh, the prime minister now? I don't know, but it's an amazing situation where he's got already historically high levels of support for a prime minister at this point right. in his administration. And to that, bang, five extra points of support. Uh, maybe it's, it's just the echoes of the, the Hiroshima of the, the Hiroshima was speech. Great. And we'll talk about that probably in some other recording. But 
wow, he came out of that summit despite the humiliation that he suffered within it, mm -hmm. just smelling like a rose. And I guess that probably made it very easy for him to think, okay, I'll get away with delaying the consumption tax. What a difference a week makes. I mean, inside his own party, there seems to be, I mean, they've, they've fallen in line. He, they, he forced them to fall into line. I'm the boss. The buck stops here. I'm going to delay the implementation of the tax. I don't care whether you don't like it or you don't like it. Or you don't like it. I'm going to go forward. And they fell in line. But this simmering dissatisfaction with his leadership and with the kind of the continuing mistakes, one might say, about how uh, Suga is implementing policy and keeping the, the team together, that's beginning to show at the seams. But even when they have a scandal like they had with the Amari Akira scandal. Isn't that nice? Yeah, look what happened this week. Right. The prosecutors, after looking at all the evidence, excused all charges, I and mean, they didn't even charge, they just said, there's nothing here, we can't charge them, they all go free. Right. Well, that goes in line with what we were saying earlier this year, that it was not a, 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 a cash for favors scandal. It was a cash for no favors scandal. Mm -hmm. There was no evidence right. that Amari or any of his cohorts actually did anything for the persons who paid the bribes, right. which means they're not really bribes. Uh, very much unlike the situation with the Olympic Games and their payments. Right. There, they seem to have gotten something for it. But in mm -hmm. the case of Amari, he took the money and nothing happened for these people. That's an interesting, right. And that big scandal that was supposed to knock Abe off his feet, it's gone. But look at what happened with Masazoi. I mean, he is still on the hot seat. We're, we're something gonna have similar. to talk about Masazoi separately. Okay, but, it's, but... It's, it is something similar. I mean, it's, it's, it's not graft, it's not bribery, but it, it, it involves using public funds to enrich oneself. And eventually it's going to involve the LDP, but I can't, don't think that it will have any impact on the House of Counselors election. And I'm certainly, I think that this House of Counselors election is going to be about Abe's control of the party. Let's hold that for a different episode, Michael, if you don't mind. You're watching Tokyo on Fire. The Prime Minister has announced his decision to delay the implementation of the tax, the consumption tax from 8% to 10%. He's pushed it way out into the future, two years in the future. And he has also announced that he will not hold a double election. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We are six weeks away from the upper house election, and boy, this has caused a lot of trouble with the opposition camps. They filed a no confidence motion over the week. Michael, you're watching this too. Big impact? Absolutely zero impact. Okay. Okay, if we're talking purely about the chances of Abe getting voted out of office by a no confidence motion, zero impact. Right. And this was a gesture that was done the day before the diet session was closed. And normally that kind of behavior is actually quite disruptive because under normal circumstances, the administration is rushing, trying to fi finish a few more bills. Every, every day, every moment is important. Is important. And then when the opposition tosses out a no confidence motion asking for the government to fall, that means that those hours are lost because a no confidence motion must be dealt with first. Mm -hmm. And then they right. have a debate about the, the state of the union, the state of, the, the, of, of Japan, about the leadership, and they have to waste time on that. But as we know, the Abe administration basically cleared out the calendar. Sure. And the Abe administration was going 
to the final day with virtually nothing left to do. Mm -hmm. So when the opposition did toss out the no confidence motion, it didn't have the disruptive effect that they normally do. So instead it was pure theater. Right. And, and when you have pure theater, I mean, then it becomes something pleasant and interesting to look at as opposed to an annoyance and, a, and an aggravation. Mm -hmm. So while it didn't have any political impact because the opposition's motion was immediately voted down once the speeches had ended, still it, it had, for theatrical purposes, it helped highlight the opposition was still there. Right. And that's an issue that's going to have to be dealt with by the opposition in its buildup over the next six weeks for the House of Counselors election, which Mr. Abe yesterday finally said it's going to happen on July the 10th. It's always been a question up until now. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he has to set the date. And finally yesterday he did so in his press conference ending the diet session. Don't you think, I mean, it's, it's rather rare for the opposition to file a no confidence motion. It happens very rarely. They have to really be up to here. Don't you think this gesture was more to throw cold water on the end of the G7 or uh, the, the fabulous accolades that he was receiving as a result of Hiroshima. The Hiroshima speech of Obama? I, I think that's quite true because he certainly came out of both of those things with a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. And there was an attempt to somehow throw sand in the gears. Uh, it may have done so, it may not have. But they do have two salient points that they want to make. The first is that indeed by his announcement of not only holding the when he's going to hold the election, but also that prior to the election, he's going to delay the rise in the consumption tax. The opposition wants to say that the election now is about his management of the economy. Right. And he himself has admitted that his management isn't good. That's what they read out of no consumption tax rise until October 2019. Aha, Abenomics has failed. Mm -hmm. Say it, Prime Minister Abe, right. say it, say it. And that's what the no confidence motion was. It was a challenge. It was almost a catch-22, wasn't it? I mean, if he if he accepts their argument that Abenomics has failed, I mean, it paints him in a bad bad way. If he accepts their argument that he must have a lower house election at the same time, he loses it there too. So they were they were kind of trying to paint him into the corner. They were trying to paint him to the corner, and he refused to allow himself to be put there. Or did he pay any attention at all? Yeah, well, he, he certainly showed up, and so did all of the cabinet, so that they could, after the motion fails, mm -hmm. all stand up, smile, and take a big bow, saying, thank you yes. for rejecting the no-confidence motion. You clearly have confidence in us. Yes. And, by the way, tomorrow we all go We will home. see you at the polls. We will see you at the polls, and right. that's true. The mm -hmm. second point that they wanted to make with this was that they are unified. It was a, yes. jo it was a joint four-party no-confidence motion, including the Communist Party, and those four parties have indeed done something that is absolutely historic, which is in the single-member districts. There are 32 districts in the House of Counselors election which have, in every electoral cycle, only one person being elected out of that district. Those single-member districts have until now featured a, an LDP candidate, a major opposition candidate, and then as in a spoiler role, a spoiler, the, right. the, the Communist Party. The Communist Party has traditionally always run a candidate in every district, whether it's House of Representatives or House of Counselors. And traditionally, political analysts have said, you know, they're bleeding off five to 10% of the progressive vote so that no matter what happens, the LDP 
is going to win. Uh, it's going to take a massive societal shift, which we did see in the mm -hmm. year, base in the years after uh, Koizumi was prime minister. We saw the shift, and everyone committed themselves to this new idea: we need a two-party system, we need a second party that can win. Let's vote for this party. We're not so sure they can run the country, but we got to get right. out of the LDP. Okay, we're past that stage in terms of the electorate. The electorate doesn't necessarily feel that anymore, and. So it's going, it's going to be all the harder for an opposition party candidate to win. Mm -hmm. But the, the communists have finally said, you know, we're not going to mess things up anymore. And we're going to cooperate. So the no confidence motion was, after the Hokkaido 5 election, the second opportunity to show that the communists are working together with everyone mm -hmm. in the opposition. And that's the gateway to this new situation where the LDP candidates in the single member districts will be meeting a single unified opposition candidate. There might be a few independents who might mess up some cer certain districts. There might be Osaka Ishin candidates that will serve in spoiler roles in the Osaka region. But for the most part, nationwide, the Communist Party, which has been basically a go-it-alone party, right. is finally joining into an anti-Abe coalition. This has never happened. I mean, nothing even close to this has happened. And the one of the salient, really strong points about the Communist Party is, number one, is they are funded. And number two, they're very well organized. And for them to be able to share that with the other opposition parties, I mean, that is that is something that the LDP needs to think about when they go up to elections. They have, have and they, and, and to Abe's credit, he and his people have thought about it. And they're clearly extremely cautious because this this has never happened before. They they got a scare in the Hokkaido Five election. It was much closer than they thought it should be. Mm -hmm. They thought that their LDP candidate, because it's, it was Machimura's seat, a former faction leader, they they thought that he should at least have a, a commanding victory, if, if not a landslide. Instead, it was way too close with a person who just been picked and supported by all the four. Right. Now they're going to be facing it in every single member district and and they're going to have to deal with that, which is why I think Mr. Abe has gone against the idea of having a simultaneous yes. House of Reps election. Right. It's caution, caution, caution. We've never been here before. Let's see how this turns out. Let's not put all of our marbles, both our two-thirds majority in the House of Reps. We're not going to gamble that. We're not going to gamble that in order for some kind of feel-good mm -hmm. super victory. Uh, sure, it has happened in the past, but we've never had an opposition like this before. It's funny because, you know, he had so much much momentum going forward, even just a couple of weeks ago, way before the G7 summit. And now, in his press conference last night, he's pre predicting, he's projecting that they will kind of break even in the election. This is where we're going to be going. And that seems to be a far cry from we're going to get two-thirds here, too. You're going to get two-thirds, and we're going to be able to change the Constitution. Constitutional change, he was asked about it by, of course, the Asahi Shinbun in the press conference. And he, he, he just made the question go away because he realizes that Realistically, he will have to have not only the Kometo on his side, mm -hmm. but minor right-wing parties like Nihon no Kokoro, the heart of Japan, and of course Osaka Ishin, which will be controlled by Hashimoto Toru, who is at best a volatile individual right. 
and that's probably the nicest thing you can say about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, he probably doesn't see that as a very inviting prospect. So he set his goals very low. Sure. And, and half of the seats that are up, there are 121 seats that are up uh, for election this time. He says, if we win 61, that's fabulous. Last time they had an election, three years ago, they won 76. 61 is a very low mark. And it, they're certainly going to get closer to the 76 than to the 61. So he's he's set the bar really low, and he's going to get over it. So it's like a ste- it's like a steeplechase where the steeplechases are 10 centimeters off the ground. Yeah, I don't know. I think I mean he's setting expectations low. That could be a lack of confidence that he's really going to exceed that, or it could be a, a like a tactic that when he does win more than that, see what I did, rah, rah, let's hold a lower house election next week. Either way, it's covered mm-hmm. by this decision that he made to, to put out some kind of goal that is absurdly low. Uh, you, they used to set up, I mean, that's one of the, the true innovations of Abe, is to constantly set very low goals mm-hmm. electorally. They used to set rather ambitious goals in order to make the party members really enthusiastic about showing up at the polls and voting for the party. But nowadays- Because we're in a, we're in a, a dog race. We're, 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 we're gonna Come fight on. for this. Yes. We are fighting for you. And Weber said that the goal of every politician should be to fight. Mm-hmm. But this is not a fighting group. This is a very cautious, very conservative with their political capital group. And they say, oh yeah, yeah, we might get 61 seats, maybe. Right. That's very, very far cry from pounding on the lectern mm-hmm. and saying we must have this number of seats so that we can go forward with constitutional revision. Can we talk a little bit about the Japan Communist Party? Because I think between now and Election Day, you, there's going to be a lot of jockeying. I mean, we need to, to watch this issue pretty carefully. How will the Japan Communist Party portray itself to the electorate and how will it mesh with the other opposition parties. I mean, they've got to be online with the themes and the policies. That's one of the things that seems to have come out of this move toward a broader alliance involving the communists in the opposition. Whatever we do, we need to beat the administration. We need to beat the administration, which shows an attitude of realism that, let's frank, frankly, that the communists have never had before. Before, they've been all ideals, all fighting for the poor, fighting for passed the, the Article 9, the peace constitution, that, and we're adamant and we're radical. There's and been a sea change. And instead, they've calculated somehow that an appearance of cooperation, even if it's pathetic and hopeless, which, in my opinion, the, 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 uh, the 32 seats will not really be affected by, by the fact that the communists are voting along with everybody else. But it sets a precedent for cooperation, pre- collaboration? It, sets, it does. It sets a wonderful precedent. It's huge. And... It seems to be from the, the few data points that we have that since the coordination that led to the Hokkaido election and then the merger of, of the, the DPJ, the Democratic Party of Japan, with the RUMP, Japan Innovation Party, which brought conservatives into the DP, that the opposition, in the opposition, the ones who have really profited from all the maneuvers that have happened are the communists their numbers have gone up because of this cooperative stance. Whereas the the DPJ's numbers, after it incepted all these conservatives from the JFP, their numbers have gone down. Mm -hmm. So that in the coalition, the communists will be even more influential and powerful because they 
will be delivering far more votes than this supposed more centrist, more broad-based party that they've allied themselves mm -hmm. with. In a rare move, the Japan opposition parties formed a coalition and filed a no-confidence motion against the prime minister and the current administration. This is a big deal. It carries lots of implications for the next six weeks leading up to the upper house election. This is exciting news, a great development. We're going to continue to watch it. You should too. Welcome back. Over the last two weeks, the most exciting piece of news was President Obama visiting Hiroshima. He made a major policy speech there. Michael, this was something that you followed closely. You had reporters plugged into you wanting to hear your analysis. And, and I unfortunately was not able to give much because uh, I really didn't know what he was going to say. But when he finally spoke in Hiroshima, it was a deeply moving speech. And of course, he has the theatrical skills to pull off almost anything. Mm -hmm. He could read the, you know, the telephone book and get people excited about that. But he, he came with content and he came with a message. And he, of course, had the purely fantastic visuals of the American president's big limousine driving up to the museum of the nuclear holocaust that happened there going through the exhibits and then appearing right there before the cenotaph in the central area. And then after it was over, greeting and in some cases hugging the victims of the atomic bombing of August 6th, 1945. Great visuals, a great setting. And let's face it, Mr. Abe standing next to him looked very small. Yes. Uh, there's a height difference, yes, but it's just, it, there was such a difference in presence. Mm -hmm. But then when you look at the content, maybe it wasn't such a great speech, I thought. Yeah, I thought also that the prime minister was kind of, I mean, we watched this pretty carefully, so maybe we're a little bit more critical than the normal person, but I thought he was he was really trying hard to glom on to this, this fantastic opportunity. So he was close by. In a lot of picture frames, you see that just his shoulder, not even his face is, is in the frame. But I thought the president's speech was just astounding. It will be a, a, a speech that will go down in history as uh, one of the great speeches. You probably don't feel that way, but I thought, you know, it went on for a long time. I think about 17 minutes. He said an awful lot that needed to be said. I don't know. I just got lost in it because for me, who I, I used to live in Hiroshima, for me, the issue is uh, not whether we should learn from what has happened here, which was the message that President Obama delivered. From a person who lived in Hiroshima, from the perspective of the people of Hiroshima, the question is, did you learn? Mm -hmm. Did this change you? Did this make a difference, this sacrifice of all these people? And I did not hear that. Of course, there's, there was this issue about apology, right? apology in the speech, was it whether it would be apologizing. And President Obama, of course, had to hew to a very fine line and not condemn the existence of nuclear weapons, and yet at the same time say that we don't need them anymore. Right. It was a very fine line, and he did manage to skate it. But for those of us who were hoping for something on the order of the sacrifice of the people and their lives was not meaningless, was actually extremely significant in the history of the world, extremely tragic, mm -hmm. but it changed the world forever. Can you imagine being his speechwriter to have an opportunity like this 
and to have an orator of his capability. I mean, what, what a daunting task that must be. It must have been quite daunting. And I think they just, too many people got involved with it. It went on too long. And it brought up concepts that are very strange, like the idea that from the dawn of human existence, when we were all just carrying spears and stones, war has existed. Well, actually, archaeology has yet yeah, to find yeah. evidence of that. But that's, that's th true. there's this, this idea, and I, it maybe come from maybe it comes from President Obama's Christianity that we have to redeem ourselves. We have to change our thinking. We have to change our morality, and that was repeated over and over. Moral awakening was the phrase right. that he used in the speech, and. Again, from the perspective of Japan saying, really? Uh, you see, the reason why we're allied to you Americans is because we already thought you were already morally awakened right. as <laughs> compared to everybody else. And we stay allied to you because you're the nicest person. You, you played rough, you play tough, but you're still a lot better than those other folks. Yeah. You know, this idea that we still have to, we have to wake up morally yeah, that's a bit of a downer, actually. Well, I think the fact of the matter is, history will show that Japan was able to achieve this miracle in economic growth because it benefited from not only the protections offered by the United States. But magnanimity of the yes, United States. The, the, right. the generosity of the United States and the, the wonderful liberal reforms that the United States, through its management in, in the occupation, mm -hmm. was able to enracinate into this country, right. so much so that the the Constitution has never been changed. Right. I don't know if it's if it's uh, completely accurate to say this, but I think never in human history has a victor come in and taken care of the the defeated nation. The Germans. To the, well, scope. Germ the Germans might say that the West Germans might say that the United States was equally mm -hmm. uh, moral in its in its action. So the idea of moral awakening that that President Obama was calling for seemed a bit. It, it, the speechwriters seem to have gotten lost uh -huh. in that. Now, in terms of the atmospherics in Japan, however, the response was almost North Korean in its adulation. Kyoto, yes. Kyoto did, I think it was Kyoto's poll showed 98% of Japanese approved of Obama's appearance mm -hmm. at Hiroshima. 98%. That's huge. I've never seen that number ever in mm -hmm. any Japanese poll. You know, if you if you if you put on a, a, a vote for is air good? Yes, th there would be some people who would say no. Uh -huh. But in this case, the the atmospherics, the the setup, the visuals, everything came together, and there was there were worries that there would be either far rightists or far leftists who would take umbrage or, or demand or, or protest. Well, they didn't show up, and if and those few persons who did make noise, they looked really stupid. Well, I mean, the police presence was just daunting. Well, the police presence was there, but the popular response, as measured by public opinion polls, was astoundingly mm -hmm. high, right. much higher than anyone imagined. They thought there would be some kind of simmering resentment, that no. there would be some kind of sense, you should apologize. And you, if if you are attacked, as I am all the time on, on Twitter, Rightly by, so. uh, by, I deserve it, by right-wingers, <laughs> Uh, there's a seething mass of resentment out there mm -hmm. that was waiting to get Mr. Obama. Well, no. it went away. Um, he wanted to talk about two things. One was nuclear deterrence and apology, 
he he wasn't going to say apology. We predicted that the apology wouldn't be a part of that too, but also uh, an expression of some some remorse that this will never happen again, and we're going to be careful. He didn't quite go that far because I think the whole world was watching this speech too, and the whole world and a lot of nations in the world depend on nuclear weapons for their ultimate security, including Japan, by extended deterrence. Mm-hmm. from the United States nuclear umbrella. Right. Well, isn't it a fact that because of the existence and maybe the the kind of uh, monopolistic power of holding uh, nuclear weapons that peace has been maintained? We don't know about that. There's a big uh, there's a huge debate about that, but it's nevertheless the core element or a core element of the Japan-US security alliance mm-hmm. that yes, the that the Japanese government and Mr. Abe rely upon when they start looking out into the world across the East China Sea, up to the north of where North Korea is, they say, well, whatever happens, those folks' ultimate decisions about use or non-use of nuclear weapons are deterred by the fact that our big brother has the biggest arsenal and the most lethal arsenal of those weapons around. Mm -hmm. And it's that ambiguity that is in that both Mr. Abe and Mr. Obama managed to elide over in this speech. And in, uh, I mean, Mr. Abe made remarks after Obama that they were both able to get through that, which is, you have to give both of them credit for getting through that glaring inconsistency in the visit. Mm -hmm. And and the inconsistency was physically uh, manifested by the fact that when Obama gets out of his vehicle, there is a U.S. Marine, I think, who has the, a brief, has the briefcase with the nuclear launch codes who is within shouting distance from him at all times. So that the nuclear football and, and the, the right-wing magazines this week have that as one of their major it's an interesting stories. dynamic. The isn't nuclear it? football is in Hiroshima. That really astonishing irony. Uh-huh. And they managed to, to get through that and the public response, both in terms of Mr. Obama's speech, but also support for the cabinet, has been astounding. I kind of picture you sometimes like at the beginning of the movie, The Matrix, plugged in to Obama's speech, as well as being plugged into a, a Skype call to get your analysis immediately afterwards. <laughs> Which okay. is exactly what happened. Right. I was actually doing this, a lot of people were doing live analysis of it, and I was doing a Skype call on it. The uh, the the thing is is that nothing is allowed to be standing. You you, you talked about the historic right. issue. Uh, yes, a historic speech, and they'll read it and they'll analyze it. People in poli sci classes will teach about it, but it's all part of a global discussion that's right. going on, and it's going on live. And to be able to dominate that global discussion is something that. Mr. Abe relied on Mr. Obama to do, and Mr. Obama and President Obama delivered. Right. That's what we can get out of this whole thing. What I'm curious about is, since you were so plugged in, you were listening very intently. What do you think about his his delivery, his oratory of of the the the, the speech, not the content, but just his dynamic performance? Well, it certainly made me coming on afterward feel very, very small. <laughs> like on the show? Uh, when I have, yes, like when I, I speak after you. <laughs> yes, yes, I feel your pain, Michael. President Obama visited Hiroshima, made a major policy speech. 
This speech will be studied and parsed for years to come. It's important for the nuclear proliferation issue as well as binding the United States more closely to Japan, the first president to visit the city of Hiroshima. Welcome back. The governor of Tokyo, Matsuzoi, is still in hot water. Bunshun has released its fourth article, lambasting him for the use of public funds for private uses. Even the fact of him buying pajamas is now out in the open. Michael, does he have any legs? Do you think he's going to resign? He's probably not going to resign. He needs to be pushed out. First of all, that he bought pajamas is, does not necessarily mean that he violated the law. There is no standard within the law that requires him to explain how it is that pajamas are political activities. Right. You can leave yourself to the imagination how they might become so. But nevertheless, as long as it is listed as being part of political activities, promotional activities related to political action in some way, it's all okay. Just like when he bought art off the internet, as long as he displays that art in his office, he can say, I got this in order to make my city look better. Mm -hmm. The hilarious part is, once he leaves office, he can take the pictures off the wall and they're his, even though they're paid for with public money. Okay, but he couldn't put his pajamas on the wall. I don't think that he should. Okay. But nevertheless, we have a situation where he recognizes finally that his position, while legally not prosecutable, is politically unstable. And he had an extraordinary long press conference where he invoked, I'm going to rely on a third party's analysis. Yes, these lawyers that I've hired. 50 times in the course of the interview. And he then, when he, he did come out finally with an apology yesterday, and from what I hear, over 100 spectators, most ever for the, the assembly, lined up to hear him apologize, and he just delivered a perfunctory few, performance of a few minutes, and then said, I'm out of here, thank right. you. He's, he, he, he does things that are just going to come back and haunt him. Well, we've, we've talked about this before. It seems like he didn't have a really good crisis management team in place. He denied, he obstructed, he said, I'll hire two guys and they'll explain for me. And it's never really been too much about uh, the illegality of what he's done, although there was a lot of hope that maybe we could find something, but it's more about how it appears as the governor of one of the largest cities in the world, but also as one of the most powerful individually elected politicians in Japan, you know, he's under some scrutiny and he's held to a, something of a higher standard. He's extremely lucky that we have, at the same time, we had the Obama visit to right. Hiroshima, we had the, the G7 summit, and now we have the buildup to the House of Counselors election. His story is just one of a whole bunch of big ticket items that the parties and the Kante, the prime minister's residents, have to handle. Mm -hmm. And he, he's really a sideshow. And that benefits him tremendously. If, however, right. this were in a period of political quiet, and his was the main story on the main stage, we would be seeing a lot more maneuvering on the part of the Komeito, on the part of the LTP, to figure out, okay, where do we stand on this? How long do we stick with him? When do we go and pull out the knives? I think it will have, I think you disagree with me, I think it will have an effect of the upper house election. And the reason why I believe that is because I, I think he needs to be removed. 
and he will be removed, and the LDP needs to put a sterling individual in his position. Mm -hmm. That sterling individual is also eligible to run for public office in in the Sangin, the upper house election too. And with as many seats that are open, they're running out of sterling people. That's a true. The the uh, the House of Councilors election, especially the Hireku, the the non-district seats, the proportional seats, those are supposed to be reserved for individuals that the LDP thinks have a national following, that have sterling records, and that have support groups that make it possible for them to corral enough votes nationwide and bring in people so that they either vote for the LDP as a party or for that individual and that seat gets secured. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the, the pool has been drained. And it looks like, in fact, the administration might lose at least one, but maybe two sitting members of the cabinet. Well, we'll see how that all works out. But nevertheless, if they sit, if they lose members of the cabinet in this election, those persons can then run in the for the governorship if there's a push against Masazoi. One of the interesting facts is, you don't have to be a resident of Tokyo to be elected Tokyo governor. Anybody from around the country. So it's a great retirement home mm -hmm. for a member of the cabinet who may be from goodness gracious Yamaguchi Prefecture, might be from Hokkaido, it doesn't matter. If the LDP and the, the Komeito get together and decide Masazoe has to go and this person who has been a good person for us should step in, it's a done deal. Keep watching this issue. I predict that we will be looking at an election for Tokyo governor very shortly, probably before the upper house election.